Welcome to We Think, We Talk, sponsored by Select Care Pharmacy, a pharmacy that is non-retail but that services the smallest of group homes to the largest of skilled nursing facilities with prompt attention and care and world-class customer service. Welcome back to another episode of We Listen, We Talk. I'm your host, Andy Garrison. So, and we are sponsored today by Select Care Pharmacy, a non-retail pharmacy service in South Carolina with world-class customer service for all communities, large and small. I'm happy to have this episode today. Um, to be quite honest with you, I've been looking forward to this one because I have a friend of mine that I've made several years ago and had the opportunity to take care of her mother in uh, long-term care. And I felt like a lot of our listeners needed to um, have an opportunity to hear from a family member's point of view about aging and long-term care and the process that you have to deal with. So I'd like to welcome Sharice Mont. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Andy. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Okay. So we've known each other a long time, and I know a lot of the stories. Okay. We've, we've talked about it through time, but let's start out just – let's kind of go back a few years. Okay. Let, let's go back before – maybe even before I had opportunity to meet you and meet, meet your mom. Um, at the point when you knew that your mom needed help or needed to go somewhere, tell me what the family dynamic and thought was like. What, what, what did you guys have to go through to get to that point? Well, we're going to have to go back a little further. Okay. Let's go back. Um, my parents moved in with us in 2005. Okay. And everything was great. Right. Until around 2012. Okay. And my dad had a stroke. Okay. So at that point, they needed help. Mm -hmm. So we hired at-home help. Okay. And that was really good for a long time. Yes. Then it got to the point where mother has, she has both de vascular dementia mm -hmm. and Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. So she was declining, and my father was not in any shape to take care of her. Mm -hmm. So he finally decided that they needed to go to a community. Okay. He kind of sprung that on me I one day. You. He said, I'm going, I'm meeting with him tomorrow. Or do you want to be there? So he just told you. He just told oh, okay. me. Okay, I, I got was like, you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So he chose the first community mm -hmm. of which we've had experience with five of these over the last three years since mm -hmm. 2018. Okay. So we moved into the first community mm -hmm. and stayed there about a month. Okay. So then we knew that there needed to be a change. So we knew, moved to a second community. Mm -hmm. And that was a lovely, lovely place. Mm -hmm. And then both of my parents ended up in the hospital. Mm -hmm. At that release, we were told they had to go into rehab. Okay. Put them in rehab. Mm -hmm. They both refused. Oh. My mother refused, I suppose, because of her dementia. Mm hmm my father refused. I couldn't figure out why right. until he told me. Now, he had had cancer but was in remission. Okay. I think his cancer came back and he didn't tell me. Uh -huh. Because he told me um, in rehab, I'm not going to do the rehab. I need um, pain management. Mm, okay. I was not familiar with that right. term. So I had to find a place within three days. Right. For both of them to go. Wow. So this is community number three. Number three. So they, I moved them both into a community, mm -hmm. and my dad was there one week, and mm -hmm. he passed away. Mm -hmm. 
So my mother was in this community for a while. Right. And again, it became very evident right. that she needed to move. Right. And I found I was given a referral by mm-hmm. a hospice person mm-hmm. of a really great place here in Greenville. Mm-hmm. And so I contacted that place, Mm -hmm. and there was the most awesome director ever, (laughs) and that person went and looked at mother and said, you know, after assessment, I think we can help your mother. I think this is where I come into play. This is where you come into play. Okay, I was hoping that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because it was you, Andy. It was you. you. And that place was awesome. Mm -hmm. And you brought mother over. Mm -hmm. She was not forgotten anymore. No. She was doing um, rehab, Mm -hmm. physical therapy. Yeah. She was thriving. She was thriving. She was doing great. Yes. Um. And then, I don't remember when you left, but that was somewhere right around the time COVID hit. That was on um, October the 20th of 2020. Right before COVID. It was right right during the middle of it. Uh-huh. Because I guess COVID really came out February 2020. Yes. Around, oh, that's right. Because you closed down early. I, cl- I shut it down early. Right. I tried to do everything I could to because I saw it. I saw the writing on the wall. Right. I saw what was coming. And, you know, I know I made some family members probably a little anxious, maybe some a little mad. But I also knew that I needed to shut down the doors because, you know, what stays on the outside can stay on the outside. And I know how we can protect, you know, our residents on the inside. Right. So you just have to look because their immune systems are not like ours. Right. And, um, you know, I want to I want to skip back just a minute because there's a point that I remember specifically about your mom, how well she thrived. Mm-hmm. At that time, she even was on hospice care. Yes, and she graduated. Yes, she did. Um, so she really came from. Honestly, I think the words that you and I used a while back when we were just talking about this came from weeks or months of passing away mm-hmm. to graduating hospice and living her life. Yes. Um. So that leads me sort of to this, um, a question, because you've obviously been through now five, six communities. No, just five. Just five. Just five. Okay. Throughout all of that, the positives that you noticed that, because obviously I had a chance to meet your mom. I did do the assessment on your mom and all of our listeners know that I was a long-term administrator and a nurse. I try not to hide that and they know and I, I saw potential there because I I listened to the situation. I realized, you know, sometimes it's more than what you read on paper. Sometimes it's the whole dynamic, and sometimes it's just a new place, uh, a stimulation, friends, uh, things like that. So during your experiences, good and bad, not just uh, with me, mm-hmm. just, just what you know, what do you think some of the good attributes to a really good community that folks should look for when they're now that you've experienced several communities? What do you mm-hmm. think if you if if someone's listening to us right now, which they will be, and they're in the same situation you were at the beginning before your dad sprung this on you, but they're having to make the decision. Mm-hmm. They're in that portion of their life. What should they be looking for? Number one, mm-hmm. you need to look for someplace that not only talks the good game, but they walk the good game. Mm-hmm. The first place 
did not. Right. The second place did. The second community was great. Right. Now, the first community had lots of activities, right. which was great. Right. That was a very positive thing at the first one. The second one had lots of community activities. Right. The third one, my mother would be set in the hall by the nurse's station. Mm-hmm. And she called it the staring place because they just sat and stared at each other. Right. Um, the fourth community, which you are very familiar well, with, yes, wonderful activity, mm-hmm. and kept her busy, kept mm-hmm. her engaged. Um, and I will tell you, with all of these, the most important thing you've got to have is communication. Yes. Even during COVID, mm-hmm. um, at your community. Mm-hmm. The staff was amazing. Yes. They would use their own phones. They would. And they would FaceTime. Yes. So that I could visit with my mother. Yes. It was it was great because she was always so grateful. Yes. Well, we had a meeting. I'll tell you this, and not a lot of people know about this, but I guess maybe this was in the January of 2020. And I saw what was coming in I had a meeting with those staff, and, and, and we can name those staff members because they were family. Mm-hmm. They really were. And I told them what was coming, and I said, this is probably going to be unprecedented. I, I don't know that we'll have ever seen anything like this in our careers that possibly could be coming down the, the pipeline, especially locking down a community or uh, some of our friends locking down hospitals. I mean, full-fledged locking the doors. And I said, but – Here's what I do know. You guys were hired because there was something within you that knew it was more than a paycheck, knew that the way you would give care, the way you would treat and interact with our residents would be the way you would interact with your own family. And I always hoped that that would be the case because, you know, when you hire someone, when you go through that management process, which a lot of people don't get to see the the management or the behind the scenes of a community. Right. Uh, they just see what they see when they come in and, and what they smells like, what it looks like. They really don't see the dynamics of, of the meetings. And, you know, I was super proud because really out of everybody that we handpicked, um, I could assure the family members that, you know what, I know we can't take your place, and I know that, you know, it's going to be as emotionally uh, traumatizing on you as it's going to be on the resident. But this staff, I can promise you day in and day out, loves our residents. And when I say that, when they're talking to them, brushing their hair, helping them get dressed, whatever it may be at the time, they were doing it just like they would their own family. And I would walk through that building because my job as a administrator, I guess, was a lot more. I mean, look, I mop just like everybody else. I, I, I would I would, I would, help a resident if they needed help with anything. But uh, I was always taught that you have to inspect what you expect. Yes. As I would do that, it would always blow my mind because it was not uncommon to see a staff member sitting with a resident and just talking. And still maybe taking care of an ADL or their need, Mm -hmm. but having a conversation with them, making them feel special. Nobody got left in the corner, in the staring place, as you said. Um, I believe in my career, that was probably the pandemic in itself. uh, We did a whole show on the pandemic of what it's done to healthcare in general. 
Uh, and it's really affected it in, in, in many, many ways. But um, luckily, I, I'm just proud to say during my time that our residents, we made it as good as we could for them. Give them concerts that were outside. We had Elvis come out in the courtyard, and it was completely separate from the residents, so he didn't come in, but they sure were looking out the windows. I mean, you know, they were watching him go. And to them, you know, my goal, and I think we achieved it in the best way that I knew how, was to let not let them realize there was a world outside with a horrible situation going on. Right. That was the goal. And, of course, you can't completely do that. They knew, but they didn't realize the, the extent of it. Because we kept it smooth day to day. Um, in your opinion, what do you think in regards to once the family had to get involved and your dad passed away? Mm-hmm. On the negative side for your family, because you know I know you have children, and 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 and, and I know that they're you're a close knit family. What did that dynamic do when all of a sudden you started having to move, mom? different things happening. What kind of stress level did it put on you? Because I know you still work. I know you still have a life that you have to maintain. Tell me how that went from one day being already chaotic because of work and everything else to just now constantly mom is a full-time job too, of making sure she's at the right place. And even financially, if that was an issue, can you tell me about some of those things? Sure. Um, it it is tough, especially working full time. Yeah. Um, and I told you the communication is great. Right. That's very important. <laughs> Another thing that I find very important that is stressful, but in sometimes it helps relieve the stress, mm-hmm. is that you've got to visit these places. You gotta know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I try mm-hmm. to go off my schedule yes. sometimes. Yes. Now, working full time. A lot of times I go on weekends and they know I'm going to come. Sure. They don't know when, but right. they know I'm going to come. Right. But I also try to go um, not so much in the evenings mm-hmm. because my mother's tired. She wants to go to bed early. Sure, sure. But I will go during the afternoon, maybe mm-hmm. take a late lunch, mm-hmm. maybe take an early lunch, mm-hmm. um, just show up. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that they're surprised by their faces. Yes. Um, and as you said, you hired people it was their passion. And you yes. can tell. Oh, yeah. Just where she is now, number five. Right. Some of the people have a passion. Yes. And I can tell exactly who they are. Absolutely. And others, it's just a job and just, just a, a paycheck. Yes. Um, and that's what you have to pay attention to. You do. Um, so, and COVID. COVID was terrible. Yes. I couldn't get to my mother. Yes. And after you left, mm-hmm. it was less than desirable. Yes. I couldn't see my mother even when things opened up. Right. Because they decided not to open up. Right. Right. At her. And I got anxious about her care. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's in location number five, was because right. it had been a year and a half since I'd seen my mother. Yes. I needed to see her, and she needed to see me. Absolutely. Um, so just not being able to see her, mm-hmm. not being able to see her surroundings, her care, mm-hmm. that was very, very stressful. Um, my daughter is in the medical industry. Mm-hmm. She's a nurse. Mm-hmm. So, of course, she was telling me um, the things that she would suggest. Yes. 
and I would listen, but I couldn't always do those things. No. Uh, there were roadblocks. Big roadblocks. Big roadblocks. Yes. So, and it's just now gotten to the point where I can take children under 12. Right. And to see my mother. This has been recent. So my mother has not seen her great-grandchildren in, oh gosh, two, two and a half years. Right. Right. So we're going Saturday. I'm excited. Well, that's awesome. No, see, and I, yeah, no, I'd be excited about that too. One thing that we've been talking about a lot in, um, my wife obviously is a nurse. Um, she doesn't work in long-term health care. She works for a large hospital system on the back end of mm-hmm. things. But um, you know, hospitals were shut down and mm-hmm. everywhere else. And and one thing that that we were talking about just together, it was one of those days, I guess, that we had nothing else to talk about because usually, you know, you're talking about your children or uh, both my boys in college, that's a whole nother conversation. That's like, you know, are we eating ramen noodles tonight or spaghetti? You know, <laughs> but, but we were talking and she just asked me, and I thought this was interesting because I guess it was on her mind. She said, Andy, if you were going to tour right now for a community, for somebody, what would you look for? And I said, why are you asking that? Because, um, I know that, you know, and we had spoke before, and I was telling the producers, you know, my mother-in-law passed away three weeks ago, you know, but my father-in-law is still there, and he's very far from needing a community. Um, this morning I was there, and we were figuring out his new 4 by 4 So that's, you know, <laughs> but but I was wondering why she was asking me that. And uh, so I said, why are you asking me that? And she said, well, she said, I don't know that it's ever been asked from a executive director's perspective um, because right now I still am a licensed executive director for the for federally and state. Okay. Uh, I still am a nurse uh, and I keep those licenses. but now I, I don't work or get paid by any specific community to have to say, Hey, community a is wonderful. Community B. Oh, not so good. Right. Now I go up from my own opinion and from my 20 years experience of dealing with this every day. So I said, well, let me answer those questions for you because now I understand why she was asking because up until probably a year ago, Mm -hmm. I'd always worked with a community, um, the community that you know about. But before that, I had opportunity to work for 15 years with the same um, owner. Okay. The same three communities that were all in chain, and I loved it. I mean, it was it was my passion, and basically, it was Andy, run it how you want to run it within the regulations. Mm-hmm. And I took communities and made them uh, best of the best, win the awards. I mean, because it was all about the customer. the The profits came last because I always believed if you if you get a, a family like like you would have been considered uh, an addition to our family. Yes. That we had to make it that way because you can't do it on your own, but you can't do it without the family. Mm-hmm. So you might as well work together and have that communication and be honest up front. Mm-hmm. If you're not honest, things go wrong. It's really bad. If you're honest, nobody, a weird phone call doesn't shock you because you already know that there's a problem. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have to be honest and have the right staff that can maintain that. But I told, I told my wife, I said, listen, if I were to make a list a really simple list for somebody to take. I'd say number one, I'd say skip that front office mm-hmm. and start talking with the people that work in the back just instantly. 
You know, you don't you don't have a dime spent there yet. Right. And it's okay to ask a staff member, whether it be a nurse, a CNA, someone from the dietary department, someone from housekeeping, on my tour, I would simply ask them, how do you like working here? How long have you been here? And believe it or not, they will bend your ear. Um, <laughs> and it's important to do that. And see, a lot of people don't realize when they schedule a tour for a community that they think they have to stay on the path that the marketer leads them on. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say up front, sure, follow them, but you stop and feel free to talk to who you want to. Number two, if you see residents sitting around and cognitively you think they're able, talk to them. Yes. Because people have a misconception. If somebody is diagnosed with dementia, frontal lobe dementia, vascular dementia, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that everything that comes out of their mouth is not true or incoherent. Some can speak and tell you everything about the day, but they'll make it mixed up or jumbled up. Yes. You know, I know I know plenty of residents still to this day I visit that can't tell you what they had this morning for breakfast. Mm-hmm but can tell you exactly what happened five years ago to the day and to the time. But a simple question you can ask them is a, a closed question. How do you like it here? And you'd be surprised that residents that have been labeled or diagnosed with dementia will tell you the truth. Um, not all, but many in a community. So step two, talk with the residents that live within the community. Number three, I'm the maintenance person because what a lot of people don't understand is a maintenance person is responsible for that building and every little crack and everything that can go wrong with it or everything that's great about it. Now he's not going to know so much about the care or he or she, it depends on where you go in the state. But if you talk to that maintenance person, they tend to be very honest about they know meal times. They know what really happens, what machines they use, what cooking equipment. Is the kitchen new? Because it's okay to ask those questions. Uh, and probably the fourth and fifth, I guess they go together. But um, to me, I think it's, you know, it depends on who you find the first time. When another family member is there visiting, mm -hmm. grab them and just be honest and say, if they're with their family, talk to their family member too. But ask that family member, say, how long have you been here? I'm thinking about bringing my mom or dad or loved one here. What's it really like here? And believe me, I think if you ask somebody specific, a, a, spe a specific question about their loved one, I think you can get a really truthful answer that is either going to blow your mind great make you feel really good about the situation or they could be telling you they're moving in a month or they could be telling you that, you know, there's going to be a new management company coming in things that they're not going to necessarily tell you up front. And I don't say this to make my marketers or anybody upset that know me. I just know it from my perspective as an ED, but the last and fifth, this is, this is the most important thing is your executive director of the community, the person that technically is in charge of everything from A to Z, are they available to you? If they're not, if they're behind closed doors and you never get to see them, 
probably not the place for you because working people like yourself, like me, I work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You need to have one person you can contact that you can feel comfortable that that information will be relayed to the correct people at the right time and not just sit on somebody's desk for days and days and not get took care of. And I believe that's right in our industry right now, the communication part is now taking a beating because of COVID. Um, I talked to a administrator that you may know. Um, and I asked how they were doing. It's a really simple question. Mm-hmm. They said, Andy, I spend my day looking at my schedule of employees, just trying to see if I have enough employees to cover a shift because I can't get anybody to work. And this person holds a high standard of who they hire. And they said, to be honest with you, we're in a rotation like everybody else because you have other employers outside the healthcare industry offering a lot of money for people to come work. And not everybody, you know, wants to say, well, I want to work for this amount of money and do all that's involved in taking care of an elderly person versus go work from eight to five, never have to do anything that would remotely be invasive care, I guess is the word, and go home. The question I have for you, and there you may not have an answer for this. I don't know if I do. How do we combat that? How do we get people interested back in healthcare again? Because it's really starting to get to a point that every and, and this is this is nationwide right now. We're having a healthcare problem, even with nursing. I'm sure your daughter's probably talked about that to you. She has, yes. How do you think or what do you think we can do, maybe whether it's at colleges or whether, you know, we can give advice on the radio to to um, communities or hospitals? How do we get people interested, not just by money? How do we get them back on track of why healthcare is important? Is there is there an answer to that? Andy, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, the group that my daughter works with, um, new people, mm-hmm. they're offering them a signing bonus, mm-hmm. which is unheard of in healthcare. Absolutely, you don't do that. No, but the nurses are getting signing bonuses. Yes, they are. So I don't know how to get them back interested. You know. The, the signing bonus is interesting to me because I won't name the hospital, but but one hospital is offering a $15,000 sign-on bonus. That's the one I'm talking about. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. 15000 And uh, that's, a, that's a great deal of money. But on there, there are a group of nurses that have left the industry because of the pressure and stress. Yes. And that $15,000 is no longer attractive to them. True. Um. Now we have a group of college students that are in nursing mm-hmm. that you have some that are still passionate and want to continue their career. And I was talking with an instructor in a large college that has a great nursing program, and they had a third of their students drop the program because of COVID and everything that they had saw and heard from nurse friends wow. about the stress. So I don't know the answer either, but one thing I did think of Years ago, the recognition portion and the the home life balance and the mental health balance. One thing we're going to have to do, and I, I, I'm just saying this, if I ever get back into a community, if somebody calls me and says, hey, we need your advice, the first thing I'm doing is bringing an on-site 
counselor that is there for all shifts and available because when you're a nurse or you're an administrator or you're whatever in healthcare, I don't care what area, you're holding your tears back when you're seeing this situation Mm -hmm. because you want to show poise to that person and still smile and make them happy. And sometimes even a resident is smiling and they're in so much pain, but they're still, they don't want to ruin your day. It's amazing how much they care about you just as much as you care about them. But at the end of that shift, and this has been my experience since I've been a nurse, so this is before a pandemic, you wouldn't believe walking into a back of a parking lot and before they crank their cars up, nurses like myself and many others bawling, having their head on the steering wheel just crying because of all that they've had to endure and hear and see, you know, and now, especially in the hospitals, they're seeing some horrific things and have saw some horrific things. Mm-hmm. They're trying to offer like a telephone line, for example, you can call and get counseling. I think you had to have somebody on site, a one-on-one person that they can go to and talk. Because I remember as an administrator, my telephone, my, my cell phone number is still the same. But I had it on my business card. You remember that? Yes. And I don't. I can't think of a time. And maybe it's happened once or twice. But I never sent anybody to voicemail, regardless of what day it was. It could be Saturday at five o'clock. I would try to answer the phone. But one thing I realized about being an executive director over a community, you know, and you answer those calls from your staff, you answer them from family or whatever. You are at the top of the pole, technically. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody else to go talk to. Right. I had to take it home. And what are my children going to understand what I was facing? No. My wife probably would, but HIPAA doesn't allow that. You know, you can only be very vague on how you feel. They see you crying, but they can't fix what they don't know what's wrong. Um, so one answer to the question, I don't know about the financial fees. The fin- That does help because, honestly, th- with the increase, there's a 35% rise right now i think and that's probably not the right word you probably know more about this than i do but uh uh, cost of living about 35 percent right now okay with gas and food i see it because i have to feed two college boys i mean it's amazing (laughs) (laughs) and i have to pay for their gas but i'm glad the incentives are being offered but i would put health care mental health care available in there where they physically can get in almost just like we have uh, employee health that you have to go to and get your PPDs and before you can return the work. Um, I think a lot of places are just going to have to step up on that. Um, And a question, and that was not really a question for you. That was just my thought because that's why I asked you. I, I was just really curious what your thought was on that too, because everybody that I've asked that same question to everybody Mm-hmm. And they said exactly the same thing. I don't know because it's a it's a new book that we haven't started writing yet. No, um, you know, there's a lot of but you, well, you know, you got that. You got people not wanting, you know, the the police academy short. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a whole other thing. I mean, it's a world that we haven't lived in before. Um, if if you could go back, okay. knowing what you know now, mm-hmm. what would you do different? In, in, take, in, in managing the health care of your mom? Oh, gosh. I would have sought one particular community out mm-hmm. at the very beginning. Right, right. 
because at that point, that community was number one. Number one. Number one in Greenville and is maybe even in the state. I don't know. Right. Right. Um, I do not know the um, status of that community right now. That community now is going to do better. Are they? Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I had a conversation and, you know, there was a pre, there, there was a management company in there that um, the best way I could say it is, is, is really, I believe that they had bigger ambitions than they could do. So it really suffered there at the end. Uh, and people that they had running things weren't uh, necessarily empathetic, sympathetic, or could care. They also uh, weren't experienced. Inexperienced, yes. And that's a huge part of, because sometimes, you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to be the best brain surgeon in the world. But if I've known you've done it 10,000 times, I probably want to go to you because we don't always say the right things. Mm -hmm. But since then, the community has actually been purchased. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and it's a group of folks that I know. Good. And their goal is to get it back to the same level of customer service, excellent customer service that it was initially supposed to be because this community that we're speaking of, like we said, we never say names, but it was it's gorgeous. And, 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 and but it also taught us something quick about asking questions. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important to ask those questions if you're looking at a community. Because a lot of us, like for me, for example, I did not know. I was called one morning. That's how quick it happened. Right. But sometimes you do know ahead of time. So if you can always ask, are there are there any major changes coming I need to know about? Right. You know, because that can affect pricing. Um. And that's kind of where I wanted to go into next and just talk to you about mm -hmm. the financial toll it takes on families. Um, some families had long-term health care insurance. Mm -hmm. That was very lucky. Some had savings. Mm -hmm. But I don't think the average person that has never dealt with long-term care understands even how fast that savings can deplete. I agree. I agree. My husband and I have long-term care. That's good. And we also know that it is not near what my parent, what my parents had or what my mother still does have. Right. My parents bought that long-term health care years ago. Yes. They encouraged us to buy it at the same time we did not do it. Right. That was a huge mistake. Right. Because their policies mm -hmm. last through the end of their lifetime. That's right. No cap. No cap. Um, I think the one my husband and I have, like, there's a dollar cap. There's a year's number of years cap. There's, right. you know. But so that has taken the financial strain off of us. Right. Because even though care for Alzheimer's, care for um, any kind of dementia, memory care is expensive. It's expensive. And I know why. Yes. I understand that. Um, so with my mother's Social Security, mm -hmm. plus what her long-term care pays, mm -hmm. you add those together, mm -hmm. and she is covered. Now, she's yes. got a little bit left, enough to pay her drugs. Sure, sure. And a few other things. Right. So we are blessed. We are lucky. Very lucky. But I feel for other families. Yes. They're paying out of pocket for They're, this. They are. Um, one thing I was going to, you know, talk about, and uh, and you are blessed. You're you're very blessed. That is that is the case. 
Um, I do know for a fact that I've had many families, you know, what they felt was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And it looked like a lot of money on paper. But they don't realize the expense of long-term health care, especially when you're dealing with memory care. Right. Um, and that money depletes fast. And, you know, current interest rates and things like that, where I remember when I started, uh, you know, people were making money on their money. Yes. So really, they could they, they weren't so much using principal as they were just using, you know, interest mm-hmm. and, and living a good life and had to you know, maybe pull a little here and there, but right. it would get them through their lifetime. That doesn't exist anymore in in today's world. No. It is it's just a fact because you know you can't exist that way. If interest rates are so low, there's no way you can make that kind of money on your money. Mm-hmm. It's just normal balance. Um, but I have seen you know um, really good residents thriving where they need to be, but they run out of money. Mm. One problem that I'm seeing that I'm trying to work on, and I, I'm making it vocal on our show. Um, I'm trying to get with the right people with the state, uh, federal, some grants. We don't have an answer for where they need to go, where they can go. There aren't many Medicare, Medicaid facilities that are designed for residents with memory care. And that is true. And a lot of those places are not where you want your loved one. No. No, and one thing that really hit me hard, I was talking to somebody not too long ago. Uh, let's say if you get into that situation and, and the state does have to get involved, it used to be they would look within the state and then, worst case scenario, 50 miles outside into another state. Now, from what I heard, and, and we can research this to see if this information is correct or not, but I'm pretty sure from the source that I got it from, it would be right. Now, this one person was living in upstate South Carolina, and they were moved outside of Murfreesboro, Tennessee for a bed. Oh. So that's tough on a family. You can't just get in the car and ride down the street and check on mom or dad. Right. And that's where it's at because in South Carolina, we just don't have that because, unfortunately, it's not profitable. And with the cost of living going up, the cost of everything going up, in which we'll see employees to be in these communities, the costs go up. Um, it's going to be tougher for average people like myself to find that level of care if I don't already make a change now. So I'm really pushing for some kind of federal state grant to look into it because we're the wealthiest country in the world. There really should not be anybody hungry here, especially our elderly. And we should have somewhere for them to go because unfortunately I don't see dementia being uh, eradicated. I hope to see it in my lifetime, but you know that's what I always wished. I'd wake up and there'd be a pill and I didn't have a job. That would be the best thing ever. But unfortunately, that's not the truth. So what you know, what are we going to do? We have to look at it. I think, you know, I never really get political on this show. But I think if one political action I'd like to see is everybody come together and and focus on our aging population. And what can we do to help them? Because we need to give them the same dignity mm-hmm. because they paid into the system. They worked, you know, uh, they bought gas, they bought fuel, they pay taxes just like we do. Mm-hmm. I think we need to focus on that more. Um, now, we're getting close to the end of the show. So just a few more little questions for you. Um, so you were telling me coming in, but 
I know the listeners will want to know because you've really given some good advice and some some things that you've been through. Um, you did tell me that mom is uh, back on hospice care now. She is. Um, and but she gets to see her great grandkids this, this Saturday, this weekend, yes. Uh, which will probably do a lot for. How how is she doing um, cognitively now? Because I haven't seen her, right, and and right. and you know I was just curious. Is you have to look at it day by day. Yeah. Um, I saw her during the day a couple of weeks ago, and she kept repeating she wanted to go to bed. They tell me she sleeps a lot now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a normal part. Which is dementia. a normal part. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yet. I asked her if she would rather visit with me than go to bed because she didn't see me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, oh, yes. Oh, see? So we went and visited, mm-hmm. and then it was time to play bingo. Awesome. And so we played. And right. She made me play card two. Okay. Played three games. Right. Out of the three games, I'm ashamed to say that I won two of them. <laughs> but I told her both times, raise your hand. Right. You just won bingo. Right. So she won chocolate. Right. And the second game that we won, she actually had to tell me because I was too busy talking to somebody. Right. And she pointed and she said, you've got a bingo. Right. And I'm like, so she she does have some cognitive abilities. Right. Well, and, and that brings me to a really great point. So many people that don't realize um, memory care or, or excuse me, let me rephrase that. They don't they don't understand folks with a with a diagnosis of dementia or alzheimer's disease or anything in that umbrella Mm -hmm. um these folks can have a quality of life if you invest in them yes if you spend time with them whether you're the family member whether you're the caregiver Mm -hmm. um you know just probably the chocolate made her day it's it's the little things or winning you know um will she remember it maybe not but at that moment, mm-hmm. she was happy. And it was also her birthday. Oh, see, and that's even better. It was even better. So I was there. Mm-hmm. She won bingo. She got chocolate. It was it was a good day. That was that was sounding like a great day. Because we forget as family members, and I, I do want to let our family members know that are going through this and it, unfortunately going through it because it's 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 mm-hmm. stressful. Don't just all of a sudden give up when someone has dementia. Continue to do things. It may be new things, maybe things they never did in the past or never enjoyed. But understand, you got to meet them where they are. I live in her world when yes. I'm there. Yes. Do you agree with that? The worst thing you could do is correct them. Absolutely. Because what what does that cause? It confuses her. It's an instant argument that you cannot win because her world is more real than yours. Oh yes. Um, that's a good point. I, I used to tell people all the time, once we cross these doors, this is no longer our world. Right. We're in their world. If they tell you that Puff the Magic Dragon was jumping over the clouds, did you see it? I sure did. It was wonderful. Because if you say no, you're wrong. You're going to cause a fight. And that, that time you could have spent actually... Mm-hmm. enjoying yourself with them, enjoying the time with that family member, mm-hmm. you've just completely lost that in an argument. Now, two hours later, they won't remember you had an argument, and they're going to call you on the phone. But, you know, one thing I told my employees I forgot to bring up earlier, and I think this is really important for family members to know too, someone with dementia 
how you start their day. They won't remember how you woke them up, necessarily what they had for breakfast in some cases, depending on how far they are in the disease process. Right. But I can honestly see throughout the day their attitude and how Mm -hmm. they're happy. If someone had a hard wake up, someone did not use good customer service skills and just get up, get out of bed, hurry up, rush them, that presents itself throughout the day. And so I think doing care plans with a community, when you're sitting down saying, what do you want for mom or dad? Mm -hmm. I think I would always bring that up too. That's a point. Because I remember you and I talked about that. You used to bring that up to me, how that was important. Mm -hmm. You know, because the day will continue with what they know. Was it happy? Was it sad? Mm -hmm. Um, But any finishing thoughts that you have? I hope that you have shared on your show something you shared with me, and that's the advocates for these residents. Yes. Um, I I hope at some show that you share that because that is important. I wish I had known that from the very beginning. Yes. um, Because it would have come in handy multiple times. Well, I'll be honest with you. I am pleased to announce that I have reached out to those guys. They've all been friends of mine. Okay. And uh, I do anticipate in the next couple of shows mm-hmm. uh, having people from the Appalachian Council of Government, which is the ombudsman's office, yes, to have them in here talk about what residents' rights are and what they can do for them. Uh, I'm I'm also got some fillers out there, which I, I believe can make happen, and uh, our listeners will make it happen. Um, I want some of uh, DHEC's uh, long-term care uh, folks to come in and yes. sit down and and. Let's not clarify some things because a lot of those guys do a good job, but the things that are subjective yes, about what a community can do and can't do and about the response from families when they call with a complaint or a concern, mm-hmm. I want to get some clarification there. And maybe we can all work together to get that more lined up because I don't know necessarily with entities and you got many of them, many people working, that the communication is super great there either. So, and that could be with any any regulatory agency. So I'm not I'm not necessarily speaking bad of them because they work hard. Um, you know, I on the way here I was talking to a friend of mine that works for DHEC. But I think if they also understand and hear a show like this from a family member, a well respected family member, that's why I asked you to come because I know you saw it from a professional point of uh, realistic understanding because unfortunately some people don't have a realistic understanding of expectations. They don't realize that mom can fall just like she can at home mm-hmm. or they don't understand that mom can get the flu just like she could at home. So mm-hmm. I always appreciated talking to you because you always came at things realistically, you know, when it was good or bad, it was still realistic. And that's very important because you need to go into the situation realistically not with a fictitious, they're going to all of a sudden be wonderful, everything's going to be great, and they're in a bubble and protected. That's not the case. But you can almost make it that way if you have the things lined up properly. True. So look forward to that. Look forward to definitely definitely the Appalachian Council of Government. Those guys, the ombudsman, and Mm -hmm. and for a lot of you listeners that don't know what that is, that is uh, really hired by the state to be an advocate for our family members. They don't work for the communities. They're like me. They're independent. They work on what is best for the resident. 
and they'll go against the community for the community. Whatever the truth is, they'll find it and help. But I want DHEC to come in and some other regulatory because I believe talking and getting it out there, sharing it, putting minds together makes things work. And just for the better, if I can help one person from this show or one person from my job at Select Care, mm-hmm. wherever it may be, I feel good. I feel like I did a good thing. So um, I'm going to end you with one final question. And it's the craziest question uh, that you've probably been asked, but I asked every guest this because I love the answer at the end. Okay. If you had to write a book about your healthcare experience that you've been through, mm-hmm. what would the title of that book be right now? Three years of nightmare. Three years, Three of, nightmare. years of nightmare. That's great. That, that's, of nightmare. I hate I hate that it's been that way, but that sums up a lot of you know mm-hmm. of what you feel inside and what you've had to deal with. Well, once again, I thank you so much for taking the time for your busy day. I know it was uh, we talked a while back and it was short notice, but you made it here. I felt like um, really I appreciate you pouring your heart out and talking to us about what you've been through. Um, I wish your mama the best. Do let her know I said hello. Um, and I will. certainly um, if you need anything, I'm always here. So you can feel free to call me at any time. Uh, probably later down the road, you'll have some more experiences and I may have you come back on and we can get a part two to figure out where we're at then, because hopefully we'll have some, some things move within our state mm-hmm. or maybe, maybe even further out. To, to make health care for our seniors just a little better. Well, thank you, Andy. I, I hope that... Well, thank you, Andy. I, I hope that um, what I've shared today will oh, help I know it will, will help with, without a family. doubt, because they oh, hear me, but, but I believe hearing from someone that has lived it from the other side, uh, you know, they can relate. And, and I'll tell our guests... If you have any questions, guys, uh, for Sharice, feel free to email me. It's Andy at SelectCareRx.com. That's once again, it's Andy at SelectCareRx.com. And uh, I certainly will call Sharice with those questions, and um, I'm sure she'll be happy to give me the answers um, if if you have any. And once again, stay tuned. Uh, We will see you again next week. And always, thank you for listening, and God bless. Thank you for listening to We Think, We Talk. All information discussed on this show is for entertainment purposes only. Please contact your medical or healthcare professional for more medical advice.